What do you think of when you think of church? Somebody lift your hands! Could be a lot of things. Yikes. Ever wonder if it even works? I mean, a lot of people going don't seem to be growing. Is it all worth the effort? Maybe you should quit church. Well, isn't that special? Good morning once again. For those of you who are visiting us for the first time, please excuse my ill manners. Uh, my name is Efren Peña. I am the campus pastor here. We are one of 10 incredible campuses located all throughout Southern California and uh, Puerto Rico and South Africa. And uh, we are glad that you're celebrating today with us. Uh, if you haven't done so already, we have some fresh coffee out there, some incredible donut holes. I don't, I don't think I talked to my wife about getting getting a lot of donut holes for today. And so um, if there are no more when you leave, uh, too bad. Um, but uh, no, uh, we are, we are, we're glad that you're here this morning. Uh, and then if you're visiting us for the first time and uh, you live around the, the community, if you can fill out a connect card that's on the back of that chair, uh, let us know who you are and uh, we would love to get to know you a little bit better. But you came today as we are wrapping up our series titled Quit Church. And for the last several weeks, we have been talking about just that, quitting church. And some of you came in and be like, did I come into a church or because you're just telling me to quit? And the truth is, yes, we're asking you to quit because some of us have been going to church for so long. We've been doing the routine for so long that we're kind of stagnant in our walk. We're kind of stagnant in our relationship and we don't see any kind of growth. We don't see any kind of maturity. We've just been going through the motions and we, uh, it started off really good, but, but now we, we're kind of like stagnant. We're, we're kind of like stuck and uh, we don't see a difference inside of us. And so over the last several weeks, we've been encouraging people to quit church, quit doing church the way you've been doing it for so long, and start implementing a different plan of action, one that will produce growth, one that will produce fruit in your life, one that you, when you look in the mirror, you're going to say, wow, I've changed. My life has changed. And, uh, and if you're new to the Lord and you're just trying to figure things out, this really doesn't, it's not inclusive of you. We're not trying to kick you out. We're just trying to, we want to focus on those who've been uh, coming to church for a little bit, who have been in the things of Christ that, that know a little bit and, and, and see no growth. Because the truth of the matter is that we're not just coming here to, to hang out on Sunday. We should be coming to develop and grow our relationship with Jesus. There should be some kind of change. There should be some evidence that we are in a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Or ouch, one or the other, All right? And so that's what we've been talking about. Um, I'm, I'm not here to offend anyone. Please, uh, you, know, you know, say I'm unoffended today because I'm not here to offend. But I will cause you to, to wiggle in your seat a little bit. Because some of the things we've been addressing, has, I've gotten emails and, and I've gotten text messages and I've gotten phone calls. Say, Pastor, wow, that was, that was for me, man. You were looking right at me. I was. 
I was, right? But the truth of the matter is that, that, that when we come to church and we hear the word, it should start stirring something up inside of us. It should start doing something in our hearts. There should be a desire uh, for us to grow. That's why here at South Hills, we want to present to you an applicable word, a word that, that you can go out and say, you know what, I understood that, and now I can apply that to my daily life. We don't want to leave you thinking, hmm, I wonder how that will work. No, I want to present you an aha moment. I want a moment where you say, aha, I get it. Now I can use this and, and begin to apply it to my everyday life. And so Quit Church is what we're in, and today is our last part. And I always like to start off my message with a question to get your juices flowing uh, in the cranium there. Have you ever had a time where you learned something unexpected about a friend, about a family member, about a teacher or a coworker, whoever, and you thought, wow, that's surprising. Wow, that, that, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know this person liked that. I didn't know this person was like this. I wonder why had they never shared. Now, I'm not talking about negative stuff, right? I'm talking about stuff like, wow, like, read, wow, that's so cool. I, I, never, I didn't know that about you. Let me give you some examples. Maybe you, you bumped into your hard-nosed boss shirtless at an outdoor rock concert, and you were like... <laughs> Mr. Mr. Robert, that's Mr. Robert. And Robert's like, yeah, right? You know, and they took, caught you by surprise, and you were like, oh, okay. I'll see you, Mr. Robert. Hey, as he walks proper in the, in the hallways, and, and he's out here shirtless in a concert. Or maybe your mild-mannered neighbor pulls up next door to you, uh, next door to your car, right next to your car, in a Harley, right, with sleeves. And he's like, yeah, and take out his tongue. And you're like, Billy? Wow. I'm going to see if I can move out. No, right? You, 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 there's things that you, you've met someone, someone you, 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 like, you thought you knew, someone you thought you had a relationship with, and somehow they do something that's surprising to you. Now, we, get, we can tend to live, as people, we, tend, we can tend to live pretty secluded and separated lives in our society, right? There are people who see, we see, every day who don't know much about who we really are, what we really care about, or what our core interests include. Some of us don't even know who our neighbor is. How many, how many of you don't know who your neighbor is? Don't raise your hand. Right? <laughs> I don't want to offend nobody. Your neighbor sitting in the same room with you. Right? But think about that. How many of us don't know our neighbors? And they don't know who we are. And we may have all sorts of reasons for living this way. And in some cases, it makes sense. You know, be appropriate or, 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 or necessary to not disclose everything to everyone. Some people overshare. Right? I've seen those Facebook posts like, really? Like, are you actually putting that on? Right? And I, <laughs> and I get that, you know. Somebody should, they should be like a Facebook police. But like, listen, I'm going to pull you on this one. This, you shouldn't be sharing this kind of stuff out there, right? Amen. Amen. You see, it's one thing to not tell people about a particular hobby or a brand new budding relationship or a faraway goal. But it's another thing to completely hide our faith. This is where we start getting uncomfortable. It's another thing to completely hide who we are in Christ. 
It's a, comp- a completely another thing to hide that we actually love Jesus and that he loves us. I won't ask for you to raise your hand, but how many of us do that? If someone you worked with or lived next door to or showed up at church one day, would they be surprised to discover that you actually go to church? Would they be surprised that you actually serve at church? Would they be surprised that you actually do so much at church? Because you never mentioned it to them. Think about that. If someone you, you do life, someone that you know, whether it be a coworker, whether it be a friend, whether it be your own family, and they happen to show up at South Hills because you didn't invite them, they just decided to come, and all of a sudden be like, is that Jason? <laughs> oh, I didn't even know he came to church. I wonder why he never invited me. And he's serving? Oh, If your answer is yes, is that okay? Is that cool for that? Is that situation cool to to play out that way? What does God actually think about that? Jesus talked about this multiple times. He says in Matthew 5 verse 14, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What Jesus is saying here is that faith is the one thing that should permeate in every area of your life. It is not something you should keep secluded. It is not something you tuck away. It is not something that you hide. It is not something that you keep to yourself. Instead, it should shine brightly. This isn't the only time he talked about this either. He reiterated, he reiterated time and time again. In fact, it was the last thing he said on earth to his followers as, uh, as if to underscore its ultimate importance. In Matthew verse tw- uh, chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's the thing. A lot of churchgoers emphasize the back half of this scripture, but not the front half of the Great Commission. Lots of places disciple, few do what it takes to reach. Let that sit for a while. A lot of places disciple, few do what it takes to reach. Because we want people to find their way to church, meet Jesus, connect in community, organize their life around the teachings of Jesus uh, in order to live life to the fullest. We just don't want to have to personally invite them to do those things. It feels uncomfortable inviting someone. I'm just going to pray for them secretly and hope that maybe they'll see my church's Facebook post on on somewhere at some time. Church, hope is helpful 
but it's not a plan. It's not a plan. God's incredible strategy to reach your city, to reach your neighbors, to reach your family members, to reach your co-workers is you. That's his master plan. He's going to reach other people through you. Oh, but I know Pastor E. You don't know anyone. Because I know one. Right? I don't have those people as friends. My job is to reach the people that I have relationship with, that I know, that I'm trying to connect with. Your job, God is using you to reach your family, to reach your friends, to reach your coworkers, to reach your neighbors. And if you don't reach out, then how are they going to come to know what you know? How are they going to come to see what you have seen? How are they going to come and experience everything that God has for them if you don't connect with them? When was the last time If this is true, if what I just said is true, how are you feeling about the odds right now of your family and friends coming to know Jesus? Because your family, your friends, your co-workers are waiting on you. This, This is how important this is. Some of us, live our lives going to church thinking, oh, it's someone else's responsibility to bring someone to church. But we, we fail miserably at saying, it's my responsibility. It's my job to bring my family members, my friends, my coworkers to church. When was the last time don't take this personal. Don't be like getting emails later. Be like, Pastor, I brought someone. No, this is just a thought question, all right? When was the last time you brought someone to church? How many people are here because of your efforts to reach them? How many friends and coworkers or neighbors are actively involved in your church because of the time that you spent praying for them, the time that you invested in them and encouraging them and inviting them to come to church and pointing them to Jesus? Some of you, the answer is real quick. Others, you've been doing an incredible job with it. And if you're not entirely happy with your answers to those questions, the truth is you're not alone. You're not alone. Statistically, less than 5% of churchgoers have brought someone to church in the last 12 months. That's a bad number. And not bad meaning good, bad meaning bad. Right? Less than 5% of everyday churchgoers. We're not talking about the people that come in every so often. We're talking about the people that come in all of the time. Less than 5% of them have actually brought someone to church in the last year. But pastor, we have our reasons. We have our, of course you do. Of course you do. We're going to talk about these reasons. You might, some of these might be yours, all right? So own up to them. Pastor, my, my world would collide, 
right? My worlds would collide. But, you know, because I have my friends and I have my church friends and I got my work friends and, you know, I got my other kind of friends. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Pastor? Right? And so I don't, I, I don't know, you know, like water and oil don't kind of mix, right? Here's the thing. Your worlds are supposed to collide. They're supposed to collide. You're supposed to be a light, right? You're supposed to be the difference maker. You're supposed to be, uh, you're not supposed to be a Christian cliche, but you are to be someone who is unashamed of your faith and unafraid to admit that Jesus has made your life better. So when your worlds collide, you are that beacon, that shining bright light Amongst your friends. Oh, but pastor, is that, uh, you know, I can't hang out, you know, I can't, I can't be myself. No, you be who God created you to be. And he's created you to be a light. Don't let no fool try to blow out your light. Number two, but pastor, I don't have all the answers. Pastor, you, you, you know, you the pastor, right? Here you go, friends. The truth of the matter is you don't need to know how to run plays or dunk a basketball to invite someone over to a game, to watch a game with you. You don't need to know deep end theology to be a, or be a sin uh, free uh, to invite someone to attend church, right? You don't have to have it all figured out to help someone else out. So don't let that be an excuse. Oh, but pastor, uh, they've had a bad experience at church before. Welcome to the club. (laughs) Welcome to the club. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? The church is made up of imperfect people. Chances are (laughs) imperfect things are going to happen. But just because you got a bad, uh, you had a bad experience at a restaurant you went to uh, this past weekend, doesn't mean you're going to stop going to restaurants, right? Right? It, no. You, you, you're going to go visit another restaurant. And you're going to f- keep going visiting other restaurants until you find a place that you fit. But pastor... They're not churchy folks. My people, my friends are not churchy folks, you know. They, you know, they're not like that. Good. Because neither are we. <laughs> neither are we. Churchy people are annoying. <laughs> if I've offended you, remember my disclaimer earlier. Churchy people are annoying. Are the people in your life flawed, broken, stressed, but trying? They'll fit in right here with us because many of us are broken, tired, and stressed and trying to figure it out. Have you literally met anyone who goes to this church? (laughs) Think about that. We are a bunch of imperfect people. Thus, why we always claim that we are the perfect place for imperfect people because there is none of, not one of us who is perfect, who is living right. If it is, come see me. We'll talk about that. But pastor, my friends are so busy. They got lives. What do you think I have? Right? Everybody's busy. And you might have, have to extend the invitation four or five times before they finally have a free window. But once someone's life is changed, folks, here's the thing. 
once someone's life is changed, they're, they're never going to be upset at you in hindsight for someone who, for, for you inviting them uh, several weeks ago, several months ago, you kept insisting. They're never going to be upset at that for inviting them to a place that, that, that's going to change their life forever. Friends, Jesus, Jesus isn't as apt to let us off the hook as we are. But you are right about one thing, inviting. Inviting people can be intimidating, right? It can be scary. You know, what if they say no, you know? Like, uh, you know? like no one's ever told you no before, right? But it, it can be intimidating, and there are some bad examples out there, you know. Um, so, so what do we do? How do we go about inviting? How do we go about getting our family and friends to come to church? Matthew Chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 9 to 12 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Jesus said to him, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many of his tax collector and other <laughs> disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Matthew's life has been changed by Jesus, and he wants to connect other people to Jesus. That's what a good friend does. Matthew sees the impact that Jesus has had on him, and he says, you know what? I want to connect my friends, my, my people, the people that I do life with. I want them to know this Jesus as well. So he invites his friends and his coworkers, Jesus and the disciples, and he puts them all together in one room. And he makes the world collide all in one place. Matthew is demonstrating this three-step strategy to reach your circle of influence. Number one, invest. Invest. Matthew doesn't start with strangers or go door-to-door or stand on a soapbox yelling at people. He starts with those he already has a relationship with, people that he's connected with, people that he knows. Who are these people for you, church? Who are the people that you already know? Who are the people that you do life with? Who are the people that you're already connected with? People you work with, go to the gym with, uh, shop at the grocery store, neighbors across the street. Who are these people? Are you investing in people close to you, in close proximity to you, so that you, so that they can see the Jesus in you? It doesn't have to be complicated, church. It really doesn't, right? Have them over for dinner. Right? Have them over for dinner. Do a, a play date with their kids and your kids. Throw a barbecue, block barbecue. Invite all the neighbors to come out and have them bring something to the table and, and, and you do life together. Number two, invest. Uh, excuse me. Number two, invite. Number one, invest. Number two, invite. Here's the thing. The reality is at some point, you're going to have to say something about your faith. You can't keep it on the lock and key. You can't keep this to yourself. You just can't 
be nice to people. Hey, how you doing? I, you got to do something more. That's just not enough of information to go out. So do you, do you talk to people in your life about how Jesus has changed your life? What he's done in your life, right? Uh, how your church keeps you on track. Right? Have you told your friends about uh, our kids' ministry? Right? That right now it is Lego Sunday and there are close to 7,000 Lego pieces upstairs where kids can step on. <laughs> that they're having a blast upstairs. That they're making, you know, Rice Krispies with, uh, that look like Legos. That they're coloring Lego. That they have a photo booth. That they're watching the Lego movie. That they're having a blast. That soon in just a few minutes, one kid is going to be the happiest kid on earth when he wins that Nintendo Switch. I don't, anybody put my raffle ticket in? Because that sounds good, right? When was the last time you invited them to join you? When was the last time you told them about something that's going on in our church? Do you keep inviting them to keep coming even though they said no? My wife told me no a lot of times. And here we are 24 years later. Number three, we need to include, invest, invite, and include. Look for opportunities to get your unchurched friends around your church friends. People don't just want to believe, they want to belong. People aren't looking for a friendly church, they're looking for friends, for relationships. We talked about this last week. People are looking to be connected to someone. True community is what keeps us involved and connected. That's why we love patio parties. That's why we provide opportunities for you to hang out with us just for a little bit so that you can meet someone, so that you can connect, so you can probably go to lunch with somebody, so you can build relationships. After Acts 2 in the Bible, after Jesus went up and the local church was starting to rise, we don't hear much more about Matthew. Who knows why? Maybe he didn't have the charisma as some of the other disciples. Maybe he didn't have uh, their, their gifts and their talents. But he did know how to invest, invite, and include them. He said, just come with me and see for yourself. He wasn't trying to convince anyone. He was just trying to open up the door for someone, his friends, his family, people that he did life, life with, to come and see for themselves. Matthew believed that God will use what's helping you to give others hope to. God has done something incredible in, the, in your life. And he is banking on you to do what he's done inside of you, how he's transformed your life to bring others to church, to bring others into a relationship with Jesus. Because guess what? As much as you want to uh, brag about how handsome I am, how funny I am, you know, they don't, they could, they don't care anything about that. They want to see something that's real. They want to see someone who's experienced it firsthand. 
And that person is you. You are the real deal. You are the one that God has presented to them as the person to bring them into a relationship with Jesus. You see, there's nothing more exciting than helping someone far from God discover who God is. There's nothing more exciting than that. There's nothing more exciting than seeing someone who has been struggling, that you have been praying with, that you have been praying for, take those first baby steps and coming to see for themselves who God is. The longer we're in church, um, the longer we're in church, friends, the more self-focused we can become, the more routine it can all feel for us. But it changes things. It changes things the moment you see it all again through the eyes of a first-timer sitting at your side. There's something incredible that happens to us as believers when we invited someone to come to church and they came. And they're starting to see for the very first time that church is not what they thought it was like. They're starting to see for the first time, man, this is different. I, I, didn't, I didn't think church was like this. This is not the church I went to when my, with my grandma, right? Oh, this is not how I, 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 was, I was expecting something different. And, and I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's kind of cool. Right? I, I kind of I like it that they babysit my kid upstairs for an hour. That's pretty cool. Right? I don't like that they give him all the sugar, but you know, babysitting is all right. Something changes inside of us when we begin to see church through their eyes, just as we once did. The excitement, the joy, the hope that comes with recognizing who God is. I'll give you an example. Christmas. Christmas isn't inherently, isn't inherently boring, but as an adult, it can lose kind of its luster, its magic, and its wonder. But invite a kid. Invite a kid into the mix and watch and experience Christmas through their eyes. And the magic and the wonder that exudes from them when they see decorations, when they see the gifts, something begins to take place in them. And, and as you see, as you see that, because you're tired of the lines, you're tired of people shoving and fighting. You, 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 you didn't listen to Pastor E when he said, get everything on Amazon, right? You went out and stood online and, and you fought and you, you, you did everything to get this, right? And you're tired. But something happens when that kid opens that gift, the excitement that comes about, that rush that swells up inside of you. But church is the same thing. It happens at church the same way. Nothing brings more life to a body than new blood. Nothing energizes a church like new people walking up into to love and accept Jesus for the first time. Nothing stirs up your faith like bringing someone else to faith. Someone that you know, someone that you care about, someone that you do life with. But it all starts with an invite. 
It all starts with you making that move. Let me wrap this up this morning. Here's the truth, friends. People want to be where they're wanted, but they don't know where they're wanted if you've never invited them. People want to be where they're wanted. None of us, none of us like going to places where they're not wanted. Right? But the truth is, we don't know where those places are unless we invite others. They won't know that at South Hills that we are the perfect place for imperfect people. That you don't have to have your life together in order to come to church. That you don't have to dress a certain way. That you don't have to look a certain way. That you don't have to think and talk a certain way in order to enter through these doors. We're going to love you no matter what. We're going to accept you just the way you are. We want you to know that you are wanted in this house. That's just what we do. That's just in our DNA. That is a church that we are trying to rise up. A church that's just going to love people simply because God created us to love people. I can't see anyone who calls this place home and I've had to say, oh, hey, can you check off this box to see if I can let you in? Is your life together? Or is your finances together? Is your marriage okay? Are, are your kids well behaved? Because if not, then you can't come in. I've never said that to anyone. Do you know Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you care about Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? No? Okay, great. Come on in. Because those are not stipulations on why we should be inviting church. Do you make the same money as I do? Do you dress like I do? Do you do? How many Yankee fans are here? And you're here. You're still here. Right? There's a special place for you, but that's, that's a different story. Right? Do you see where I'm getting at? We need to do our job, church. We need to do our job. At the end of our life, we probably won't regret extending invitations that weren't accepted. But it is probable, there is a high chance that we'll regret never extending an invitation to begin with. Who could you have helped? Whose eternity could you have changed? Whose loneliness could you have quenched? Whose life story could you have changed if you simply invited someone to church? I came to Jesus at the age of 27 because someone invited me. My life was in shambles. Not one person here would call me a friend. I did some despicable things. I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror the way I was living my life. 
I didn't like myself, let alone anybody liking me. But because someone at some point in their life thought that God did something incredible in their life, that God, God had changed their life, said, you need to come to church. And even when I came to church that first day, it wasn't like, "Woo, yes, praise the Lord, you're, you're great now. It was a journey. A journey. A journey that I am still on today. I'm very transparent. What you see is what you get with me. I say it from the platform over and over, my life is not all together. I say, God is not, not done with me yet, but I'm on this journey. And I can hoop and holler and raise the praise because of what he has done. And because what he has done thus far, it is reason enough to share Jesus with everyone I know. I want to bring everyone into a relationship with Jesus. I want everyone I cross paths with to know who Jesus is. Because the same Jesus that is living in me today, the same Jesus that has transformed my life today is the same Jesus that has transformed your life and it is the same Jesus that will transform someone you care about's life. So the question here is, what are you going to do about it? Will you regret not inviting your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors to church? Will you just keep bringing excuses to the table why you haven't invested, invited, and included them? As a pastor, most of my circles are around believers. That's why when I meet people for the first time, I don't tell them I'm a pastor. Because history has proven that they're just going to shut up and walk away. So I tell them I'm a salesman. I'm a life coach. Anything but, but a pastor. Here's, the, here's why. Because I want to build a relationship with that person. I want to eventually share Jesus. I'm not going to the first person I see, hey, you need to be in church. You need Jesus. Let me hit you with this Bible and get you straight. Right? That's not what I do. I start in to build a relationship. And I'm going to do everything short of sin to build that relationship and get that person to church. To get that person into a relationship with Jesus. But your circles are not my circles. Many of you here have tons of friends and family members, co-workers that don't go to church. That don't even like Jesus. And I'm okay with that. Is that going to really stop you from investing, inviting, and including them. Here's your takeaway. Next month, we kick off, this next Sunday, we kick off family month. And I'm going to, I'm looking at everybody. I'm going to go up and down the aisle, right? If you didn't make eye contest because you blinked, right? Everybody there, everybody there. Even like there. 
Jay, I think that's you, Jay. That's right there. And my side move. I'm personally challenging you to not throw this away, not leave it on the seat, because I know where you sit. We took a picture of where everybody's sitting. To take this and use it. Invite someone to join you next month. Invite your co-workers. So what they said no before? Invite them again. So what they got plans? Make them change their plans. Chances are they're just sleeping. 